This interview was conducted during the 2020-2021 winter break. Welcome to Project Teachers Lounge, where we talk to educators about their time working during the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Shane T. Watson, and I'll be your host. Hello, Iris. Long time no see. Iris and I know each other from Rhodes College, hence the shirt. Uh, I don't know how we met at Rhodes, but I'm pretty sure it's the Multicultural Fair somehow because I know we didn't have any classes together. Um, but Iris was super nice. Uh, she's now a mental health, ther- mental health therapist at a large university in Indiana. Um, and she has agreed to sit down and talk to us today about her work during the pandemic. So welcome, Iris. Thank you. And I noticed you repping the road shirt immediately. First thing I noticed. <laughs> um, and so how have you been? I have been just doing the best that I can, um, as we all are, trying to navigate um, just this last year and all of the abrupt um, changes and transitions and restrictions. But I'm, I feel like I'm doing pretty okay. All right. Um... And how long have you been working in education? What got you interested in education and mental health therapy um, and what you do? So I graduated with my master's in clinical mental health counseling in 2019, May 2019. So I have been working in the university setting, I guess, post-grad for about a year and a half, but even when I was in grad school, um, my internship was actually at um, at the institution's student counseling center. Um, and even before I got into grad school, I knew for a fact that I was interested in um, trying out, feeling out the college setting. Um, I just, I feel that you know, from my experience, as well as the experience of people I know, college is just a, an interesting, messy, <laughs> messy period of um, pretty significant growth and development, um, specifically within mental health. Um, co- college age is kind of when a lot of um, mental health concerns that might have been latent um, will, you know, kind of emerge because of the different stressors and just being on your own um, most of the time for the first time. So um, I don't know, it just intrigued me. And I, so far, I'm just enjoying walking alongside these young people and helping them figure things out. Nice. All right. Um, and are you teaching, you're not teaching, are you providing therapy services virtually? Are you in person? Are you hybrid? How's that working for you? So currently we are sticking with teletherapy via Zoom. However, um, you can't always predict when a student will need a counseling session or mental health intervention. So occasionally um, we do have crisis Um, appointments that pop up and it's kind of without warning. Um, So, you know, we'll be doing our thing and then there will be a knock on the door from campus police with a student um, who needs immediate intervention. So in those cases, we do see them in person, um, but we do try and, you know, stick to some of those social distancing guidelines by seeing them in our waiting room um, versus our offices because it provides 
more space for us to, you know, kind of sit at a distance from one another. Got you. And are students back in classes at your school? Do you mean, are they? In person, sorry. Um, yes, they were in person this past fall semester. And as of now, the plan is for them to return towards the end of this month. Okay. Um, and so last spring, when the pandemic first started, were you, did they send students home or were they also just staying on campus for the rest of the semester? Students were sent home. And how did that unfold for you as someone who's providing therapy to students? Well, it was pretty chaotic. Um, I mean, it was nothing that we could really be prepared for or that we could predict. And one of the biggest challenges was um, basically finding ways to um, be able to, you know, continue providing those services um, through um, through a virtual platform that could be HIPAA compliant because confidentiality is a huge cornerstone of counseling. Um, you know, we can't have random Zoom bombers coming during a confidential counseling session. Um, so there was that, um, but then also just a lot of um, accessibility barriers that started popping up um, when students, you know, went home because, I mean, there, there were just so many different concerns for different students. Some struggled to even um, find, you know, the, for example, internet connection. Maybe they didn't have that at their home. So now going home, how do I find a space that is not in public that I can, you know, use to be able to access my counseling session. There were privacy concerns um, for students who did have internet at home, but maybe felt just uncomfortable, especially if they were um, at, a, at a stage in their counseling where they were processing family of origin issues. Um, it could be really uncomfortable to, to dive into that, knowing that family members were in the other room. Um, and then, for, in particular, marginalized students, there is a lot of just general widespread mistrust in, you know, counseling. So this didn't help that with them not having the opportunity to come in person, you know, feel your energy, um, know for a fact that things were confidential. Um, so I would say that was a just an added um, layer of hesitancy or resistance from those students. Okay, sounds like a lot to deal with uh, in like no preparation time. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, there are HIPAA compliancy issues. What were y'all able to figure out that was compliant for y'all to continue to give your, provide counseling to your students? Well, I am not exactly sure of the details of that because that was um, something that, you know, those directors essentially were kind of navigating behind the scenes. But I do know that um, we were able to get something worked out with Zoom where we could have a more just secure Zoom server. I don't know if that's what you call it. Um, 
that could meet, you know, those HIPAA regulations. And so from the time that you guys were sent home, you all were sent home in March to August, what were some of the, like, issues that students were dealing with in particular uh, around, like, what were some issues that they were dealing with from being at home? So um, I just want to note that I actually experienced a job transition during the pandemic. So for a couple of those spring and summer months, um, I actually was not seeing students. But um, when this fall semester started, um, I would say the biggest thing that I took note of right away was increased levels of anxiety. Um, and as of now, um, anxiety is the leading mental health concern that college students face. Um, so just to see it heightened to this new level, um, it was it was very difficult. Um, a lot of our students were honestly kind of traumatized, shaken by just the abrupt changes. Um, a lot of them were you know, struggling with anxiety around being back, being back to school in person and just how that was gonna go. Was there gonna be another sudden, um, you know, shutdown where they were sent back home? Um, were they going to, you know, regret coming back in person? Um, you know, if, you know, God forbid they were to be exposed and, and get the virus. Um, so there was a lot of anxiety about that, um, a lot of anxiety about just the future um, in general. How long is this going to last? Is this what my college experience is going to look like for, you know, its remainder? Um, there was a lot of um, just challenges socially, increased isolation. Um, a lot of students found themselves pretty much like, especially if the majority of their classes were remote. Um, they were sitting in their dorm rooms all day, which is just not really that healthy. Um, so there was a lot of encouraging students to find things that they could do outside of their dorm rooms um, that allowed them to still feel safe, um, but could just help them have that um, that change of scenery, maybe get some fresh air because that's good for your mental health. Um, and, you know, navigating how they could still remain connected to their support systems and their social network in the midst of the pandemic. And I will say that for freshmen, that struggle was um, heightened because they didn't come in already having that network, that social network that they, you know, just had to figure out how they could stay connected to. Um, they, you know, they were, it was just different being able to establish those relationships early on when you don't have the traditional welcome week activities, um, you know, social gatherings and visiting other dorms was um, prohibited, although that didn't stop, you know, some of them. But um, I, I definitely saw that struggle heightened with, with the freshmen. And I know I've given a lot on this answer, but another thing that I think I saw a lot of was just grief and loss um, in so many senses. 
because for some it was grieving the actual loss of people um, in their lives who had maybe lost a battle with COVID or um, were just, you know, extremely sick, hospitalized. Um, But then also a lot of losses or grief around what they what they had dreamt their life would look like at this stage of life. Um, Especially again, for those freshmen who maybe had been looking forward to planning, just, you know, thinking about college for several years and then to come and to, to just know that they weren't getting what they've seen on TV, what they've heard their older siblings talk about, it was hard for a lot of them and a lot of them, well, I don't know the exact percentage, but I'll say just from my caseload, um, a significant portion of them ended up either deciding to um, take this next semester off uh, while they you know, waited in hopes of a return to normalcy, um, or if they didn't make that decision, they at least, you know, it was on their mind. It was something that they were heavily considering. Gotcha. And those students, so are there some classes that are in person, some classes that are not, and that leads to students being uh, in their dorms virtually? Is that a thing that's happening? Yes. Um, our institution had a kind of hybrid approach where some classes, you know, were in person, but others, um, you had the option to come in person or to log on via Zoom. Gotcha. Okay. And for those freshmen, what are some recommendations outside of like, you know, get some fresh air and all that? How are, how are you able to help their mental health like stay up knowing that they're not getting that experience that they dreamed of? Well, um, like I said, a lot of it was problem solving, um, you know, and just kind of facing the reality of, okay, this is what you don't have right now. This is what you don't have access to, but you know, what, what do you have access to? Um, because there were still opportunities available to them to um, socialize. A lot of the organizations and events were um, modified to be virtual. And so a lot of it was pushing them to be willing to try those opportunities, Um, you know, because a lot of them I think were kind of stuck with, well, I can't, you know, do what I wanted to do, so I'm gonna do nothing. Um, but we would just process how how that might play out for them, you know, with their mental health. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it was just kind of that encouragement to to be adaptable. Um, I also think, you know, a lot going along the lines of problem solving. Um, for some clients, um, we would literally spend a session creating a social schedule of these are the people I'm going to call, you know, today, or these are the people that I'm going to FaceTime with today. Um, So just kind of putting those intentions um, down as plans and part of their schedule to make sure that it was done. 
Nice. And have you noticed any students, because, you know, with pandemic, a lot of jobs have gone away, people have lost jobs. And so students coming back to campus, like some work study stuff probably isn't in place anymore, or as people worked off campus, have you noticed students struggling financially and how have you been able to assist them with the issues? Yeah, um, I would say there were several students who began struggling financially, whether it was because they lost their job or, you know, maybe it was their family. Um, And I would say that for that concern, there was a lot of linking them to resources that could assist with that. Um, I know within my institution, uh, there were dollars that were allocated as, you know, kind of emergency dollars to um, help students who might've been struggling Um, Because I can remember, you know, students at the beginning struggling to get their books or their supplies um, for those, you know, financial reasons. Um, My institution also has a pantry. So um, a lot of that was just basically making students aware of the resources available to them um, and linking them. And then... You know, it's kind of, it's a little bit different. I mean, your students are, some of them are back in class, but it's still like there's more hands-off, so I don't know how labs are working and all that. Have you found students finding this a difficult way to learn um, the semester in this new atmosphere? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing that I heard students kind of complain about um, was just struggling with motivation and struggling to feel engaged. Um, You know, again, while we have to work with what we have, for a lot of students, it was just hard for them to really connect when, um, when they weren't in person or, you know, they didn't have that built in accountability of like actually getting up, waking themselves up, dressing up and physically walking to their class. Another thing that I heard a lot of students talk about was feeling as though um, their professors were less accessible to them because um, a lot of office hours were canceled. So, you know, if your email didn't get replied to, you just had to send another email and hope that the next would. And um, a lot of students, you know, did did get frustrated with that, just feeling like they couldn't get in contact with their professor when they needed to. Okay. And for you, what are some, you know, you're doing virtual uh, counseling. What are some things you've had to adapt to work for your counseling sessions that you would normally do in person? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that when you are virtual versus in person, um, you lose a lot of um, reading of, you know, body language and just those nonverbal actions that you would normally um, take note of in a counseling session that would, um, that would just help you have further insight into your client's affect or just maybe, you know, an emotion that has entered the room. Um, So 
a very limited view of your client and their experience within the counseling session. Um, another thing that sometimes, you know, called for adaptability was just that you weren't able to um, do physical activities or let's say, for example, you have a certain um, worksheet or something that, you know, you would typically use with a client facing a certain presenting concern. Um, you either had to, you know, just maybe engage in more work to find a way to get that um, on your screen and to be able to share it with your client um, or you just kind of had to find a different way to employ that intervention. Got you. And on the other side of that, what are some things you learn virtual through counseling virtual that you'll keep in place when you guys return in-person counseling? Hmm. Give me a second to think. And if there isn't one, there isn't one. That's fair as well. Well, nothing came to my mind immediately, but I'm trying to just rack my brain in case there's something. Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, and think about those, you said you have those kind of crises where they'll bring a student to your office. Um, how do you get through to those students that are like super high impact moments? How do you get to the, through to those students in the moment? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part of your question. Um, how do you get through to those students who are having a crisis moment that they brought to your office? Like, how does that interaction happen for you now? Well, um, as I said earlier, there is a distance still, um, even though they're in person. And I feel like just even that um, can hinder the, the establishment of just kind of trust and, you know, feeling your warmth um, and just safety, I guess, being in a larger room um, and, you know, sitting 10, 10 feet apart versus two feet apart. Um, yeah, that, that's the only thing that I can really think of. Um, I, I don't know if like you want me to add this in, but I just thought of another um, another huge issue around um, transitioning to remote. Do, would you like me to yeah, share ahead. it? Yes. Okay. Another challenge was that our licenses, our counseling licenses re are, allow us to practice in the state that we are in as well as in the state that our clients reside in. So for students who went home to different states or maybe who, who live in different states and chose to um, do their whole semester remotely, unfortunately, that meant that we couldn't provide those services for them. So um, with those clients, it was a lot of um, helping to connect them with resources back home. Um, some, some states actually were 
really good about lifting certain restrictions or employing some kind of like emergency um, emergency I don't know what to call it, um, but you know, basically something that would allow us to temporarily provide services to clients who were out of state. Actually, I would have never known that that was a thing. I didn't know licenses were only based per state. Um, and that's a challenge in our field that um, a lot of advocacy work is centered around. Um, we're really pushing for reciprocity so that, you know, if I, get a job in Tennessee tomorrow, I can just get there and start my job. But as it stands right now, I would have to, I mean, I would be able to start my job, but I would have a time limit to apply with the state, prove my coursework again, prove my degree. Um, in some states even, you know, take a, a whole nother exam. So it, it, it can get quite complicated. Okay, I want to dig more into that because I feel like this is something that, I mean, I know nothing about and I imagine other people know nothing about this. Is it because, I mean, when you practice medicine, do you have to get a license for that state or is it nationwide? Do you know this? I mean, I don't know if you know this, um, but is it like kind of like going along those guidelines? Like, do you know the reasoning behind why you have a license in each state that you practice? I'm, I'm trying to think back to grad school when we talked about this a lot. <clears throat> hmm. I'm not exactly sure, but something that I do know that could potentially um, have an impact on this is that certain degrees um, started being recognized by the state later than others. Like my degree, my master's in clinical mental health counseling is fairly new within the mental health world. Um, I think the earliest was social work. So they're pretty um, established within, within all 50 states. But um, I remember actually looking into California because I love California and I plan on being there five-year plan. But um, I know as I was just looking at jobs out of curiosity, my degree is not really recognized there. Um, so I think that maybe has something to do with why that is the case. And I'm not sure about medicine. Yeah, I'm not sure. So let me not even comment. <laughs> Got it. So basically, it's like is there's like state boards that uh, manage all of like what is qualified the qualifications and who can get their degrees qualified. And so that's like it's not a nationwide thing. It's more of a state by state. Yeah, and um, they're even called different things in different states. So here in Indiana, I am currently a licensed mental health counselor associate because. I have my provisional license. I still am getting supervised hours and I have to take another exam to get my independent license um, in the next year or so. But if I were in Tennessee with my degree, I would be considered an LCP, which is a licensed, licensed professional, wait, hold on. licensed, wait, actually, hold on. 
or no, it's LPC, licensed professional counselor. So um, there even are, you know, completely different titles for what I do in different states. Interesting. Hey, absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Um, and just switching back to the work this semester, what was a bright moment for you? Like something that was like a highlight for you this semester? I mean, there, I know there, there were some, I just have to think of a significant one that I can talk about. Um, I think a general kind of bright, bright aspect of this semester was how my colleagues and I showed up for one another. Um, I feel like relationships were um, just nurtured in a way that um, that they might not have been if we hadn't embarked on this strange, complicated year. Um, we had to be really intentional about um, building that building and maintaining that morale as a staff um, and that connection that helps us to work in a just kind of fluid um, team-like style. Um, so there were a lot of built-in kind of social times as much as our schedules could allow virtually where we were able to learn about each other more and just you know spend time spend time giving each other space to check in with how, how we're doing individually, how this has impacted us and our families. Um, an example that I can think of is that um, I am the type of person during lunch break who wants that to be me time. Like you, if you guys are you know sitting in the conference room eating lunch under normal circumstances, I'm, I probably, you know, just kind of want to be in my office, just, you know, grounding myself and just taking my, taking time to myself. Um, but this semester, one of our staff members implemented a Friday virtual lunch where we would eat lunch together uh, via Zoom. And I found it to, to actually be really um, instrumental in and feeling closer and, and building trust and um, trust and what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, the word is escaping me, but so I'll just say trust for now, building trust and just connecting more um, with my, my colleagues. I mean, I imagine that's valuable because this is your first semester in this position, so you probably had to, didn't have the time, didn't get the chance to build those really close relationships. So I imagine that connection was yeah. great for you. Yeah, well, it was my first semester as professional staff, but this is actually where I did my internship when I was in grad school. So um, there was already, you know, some 
some level of relationship um, among myself and the staff, but um, I feel like I, it could have been a much more isolated feeling semester had we not been intentional about planning our, you know, Zoom team rapport building sessions. Got you. And what would you say is the biggest challenge you faced this semester? I think the biggest challenge that I faced was just balancing being this, you know, this this counselor um, during this time of crisis that our country was experiencing and also being just a human who was also subjected to the crisis and, you know, having to deal with the ways that my own life was impacted by the state of, of the country. Um, I had to be even more intentional than counselors, you know, really should be about their self-care because I was experiencing my own losses, my own grief, um, my own financial struggles. And so it was, it was really important for me to pay, pay even more meticulous attention to how I was doing and what I needed to show up and be the best counselor that I could be. And so just to roll into that, how has COVID impacted your family? For me, I experienced a lot of transition during COVID. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there was a job transition, um, which actually required me to, to move, move cities. Um, so there was also just moving and um, struggles with, you know, trying to find people to assist with that move um, when people were terrified to leave their homes. Um, I also think, you know, I experienced the same social challenges that my clients and pretty much everyone um, experienced trying to find those ways to still, still feel connected um, and like a part of something um, while being physically apart from my loved ones and my friends. Um, as far as how my family was impacted, thankfully no one in my family um, got sick from the virus. However, um, you know, it was, it was very different this year. Like even this whole holiday break that ends tomorrow I didn't go home to Tennessee and, and that's a first doing Christmas, Thanksgiving on Zoom, Christmas on Zoom. You know, we, my family and I got together two nights ago for the new year via Zoom. Um, so I feel like, you know, just as much as my clients this year, I had to tap into um, some, you know, profound resilience and um, adaptability, creativity, and um, like I said before, just I had to to be intentional with my self-care in a way that never felt as necessary as this year. 
And speaking of, you know, you having to keep on yourself being intentional, what were you doing outside of being more intentional about your self-care? What are you doing to keep up your mental health? Well, I am a counselor who is not opposed to nor ashamed to, you know, be in their own counseling. So, you know, I had my own professional support to help to just process and navigate all of the changes and the new experiences that I was facing. Um, I had to find joy in the simple things. Um, I had to, you know, remember just what I could do in solitude that, um, that makes me happy. I, with, you know, more alone time, I wrote more, I read more, um, I, I did a lot of artwork, which is, those things are things that as much as I, you know, I desire to have them be a part of my life and what I do, I'm often kind of neglecting them because, um, you know, I want to maybe, you know, be out with my friends or, you know, just, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times we're distracted by, by those grander aspects of life and we can be sometimes scared, sometimes resistant and sometimes neglectful of just allowing ourselves to be still, um, to hone into our internal experience and to find, find time and ways to express them. And I feel like I did a lot of that um, this year. And I think it, it, you know, in its own way, it was another form of therapy, just kind of being with myself and listening to myself. Okay. And next semester, what are your hopes? Or spring semester, what are your hopes just for the future? Well, obviously, I hope that, you know, we can, um, our country can, well, the world, I guess, can um, make more headway in um, combating this pandemic. Um, I don't think that, I don't expect things to return to normal as though the pandemic, you know, had not occurred. Um, and I'm kind of okay with that for the reasons that I just said. Um, but I am just hoping for myself and for others that we can continue to um, reflect on things that have happened this past year that maybe um, have come to our attention that we don't wanna be so invested in. And then also the things that we have had to latch onto this year for survival that we, do want to, you know, have more of in our lives. Um, yeah, and, and that looks differently for every single person, but I just hope that, you know, we can individually and collectively continue um, to grow in, in our resilience, in our adaptability, and in our appreciation for one another and the importance of connection. Gotcha. And we kind of spoke about your career. You want to be in California in five years. Has the pandemic 
um, altered your career aspirations? I know you're early in your career. Uh, you're post you're post grad like a year and a half ish. So has the pandemic kind of maybe informed more of what you want to do? Changed your ideas for your career? Like, what does that look like for you now? No, I don't think the pandemic has really had a um, significant impact on my plans. Um, currently, the the plan is still to apply for doctorate programs um, this coming fall. Um, so, you know, hopefully within these five years, I will become Dr. Mosa. And has a ring to it. What did you say? Has a ring to it, Dr. Mosa. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and obviously getting that, uh, that degree will open, open up more opportunities for me. Um, it will help me significantly financially because let me tell you, counselors are underpaid. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's probably like the biggest thing that, or the biggest goal um, that I have for the next five years. And um, yeah, and I think that'll just continue to open, like I said, more doors to other other goals and dreams that I have for myself. Nice. Um, well, to step back to a question that I passed over, um, you know, in the spring and the summer and in the fall, there was a huge resurgence on Black Lives Matter and focus on police brutality because of what was happening in our country with the constant killing of Black people. Um, at any point, did you have to have a conversation with students, colleagues? Did that come into your counseling where you had to talk to students about this, um, talk to colleagues or administrators? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't even know how I didn't bring that up. Um, I guess I was more focused on the pandemic during this interview, but um, I mean, that going back to what a lot of students were dealing with in their counseling. Um, I mean, the resurgence of that just added to all of those, those um, concerns that I mentioned earlier, the anxiety, um, particular, particularly for students of color. Um, and I would, you know, even maybe specify that more and say black students, African-American students. Um, I just saw increased levels of anger um, and just kind of, you know, emotional reactivity, um, exhaustion, racial battle fatigue. Um, and, you know, to, to have to navigate all of that on top of the pandemic and, you know, with those restrictions on, um, you know, just physically, socially um, gathering, it was the conversation that was had was that your mental health right now needs to absolutely be a priority. Um, there there is just so much going on. And if you don't make it a priority, um, it really truly could, could break you or take you to a dark place. Um, I know that actually on my first day of my new job, at the end of the day, I already had an outreach scheduled to um, 
to talk to a group of students at the African American Cultural Center about the impact of of the death of Chadwick Boseman and just, you know, kind of how how they were being impacted by that. Um, But in that dialogue, much of the discourse was also um, kind of around around how that that loss or that death um, was just particularly hurtful given the hurt um, that they were already feeling around around the racial dynamic of our country and the way that black lives are valued or not valued in this country. So for a lot of them, you know, they really, his life and his legacy symbolized um, making the most of life and achieving, achieving dreams and goals in spite of adversity, Um, being able to do both struggle and suffer and still, you know, still live up to your potential or, you know, still, um, still find ways to, to leave an impact, a positive impact um, in your community or on this world. Um, so that, that outreach experience actually um, pretty much segued into that conversation. Got you. And so, yeah, just a lot happening, especially just being a student at a time like this um, can be, I mean, it's a struggle uh, having to come back to what I imagine is a PWI um, and worry about. Actually, it's actually um, more, it's more diverse. Um, It, there, there's a lot of diversity. um, However, I feel as though there is, definitely social division um, because we have a lot of inner city kids from Indianapolis um, who are typically students of color. And then we have a lot of white students who come from rural towns in Indiana. So um, it's definitely a modge podge of people and cultures. Gotcha. And as a counselor, how were you able to work with students knowing students of color, knowing the disproportionate effect that it had on uh, communities of color? I think that um, one of the one of the biggest um, you know resources that I employed was collaboration um, with other organizations and spaces on campus that. Um, really catered to um, marginalized students. Um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest ways that I did that was working pretty closely with the African American Cultural Center um, because, you know, that was kind of a a safe space for them to to be heard for their individual. Um, culturally specific challenges and obstacles to be recognized. Um, and I'm really thankful for, for the, the center because um, they offered a lot of um, 
a lot of those practical resources that um, I myself as a counselor with ethical boundaries um, could not provide. Gotcha. Okay, well that um, handles all of my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this interview before we conclude it? No, other than I appreciate you embarking on this project and just being curious about and valuing the experiences of educators and counselors um, during this, this chaotic time. No problem. Uh, if you want people to follow you on social media, you can tell them now or I can delete this part later if you don't want them to follow you. Yes, I can be followed at on Instagram at counseling queen queen being spelled k-w-e-e-n okay uh well iris future dr mosa i want to say thank you for sitting down for this interview um providing your perspective on counseling and at a in higher learning uh, i think you're one of the only if the only if not the only counselor that will be interviewed for this so at least at the moment so that you providing a very unique uh perspective um, letting us know like what students are going through on the mental side and what can um, what you're doing to help them get through this time because it's a very difficult time for a lot of students. Uh, appreciate you sharing. Appreciate you sharing what you're doing to keep up your mental health as a counselor. I feel like that's something like I can say that I'm doing much. You're a professional at this, um, and you being open and honest, saying like I have my own person that I speak to that is a therapist. Like that is everybody's still open to learn. So it's great to hear that from you. Um, and yeah, just again, thank you for doing this and thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. We'll have a good day and we'll talk to you soon. If you want to learn more about Project Teachers Lounge or check out some exclusive content, head over to lunchtraymedia.com slash Project Teachers Lounge.